the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. So I got a little long-winded in my rant on Matt Dolan and his crazy, indefensible, immoral sponsorship of the so-called Fairness Act in the Ohio General Assembly. And I didn't get a chance to because I was long-winded and ripping him for that, deservedly so, fully develop my mystification, I guess you could say, over why Daryl Brooks, the driver in Wisconsin who killed grandmas and children, seven of them, why he's not charged with terrorism. I mean, I would throw the book at this guy. I would do everything I could to uh, discourage this kind of activity in the future, heighten the penalties against him. Uh, He should be executed for what he did because what he did was terrorism. Now, the Michigan school shooter is charged with terrorism. He should be. That's an act of terrorism. Anytime in a situation where people should be safe and they are instead killed by the purposeful act of another, I would have to hear circumstances that would convince me it's not terrorism. But in the case of the Michigan school shooter, he's charged with terrorism because there are past postings on social media and conversations and things. Actually, there's not social media. It's just conversations that meet the standard of terrorism as something that this person has articulated in terms of planning it or in terms of he's viewing people in a group and these are people in that group who he doesn't really care who he kills, he just cares that he kills. So again, I'll ask, since that's how the Justice Department determines whether someone is charged with terrorism, why is Daryl Brooks not charged with terrorism? I think I know the answer, and it's because the left, Merrick Garland, but I repeat myself, the Justice Department, but I repeat myself again, they want you to believe that only right-wingers are capable of domestic terrorism, right? This kid in Michigan's mom wrote an open letter to Donald Trump, so this kid in Michigan is a right-winger, so this kid in Michigan With a gun in his hand, because, of course, anytime they can marginalize the Second Amendment, they'll do it. This kid in Michigan is a domestic terrorist. Daryl Brooks, who, by the way, I don't identify Daryl Brooks by race. You can find pictures of him. You can find out what his race is. I don't find his race to be relevant. On one side of the issue, in that hatred is blind to race. Hatred afflicts everyone. There are people on the extreme right, people on the extreme left who are gripped by hate. Hate is at the center of 
all the issues in our country. It's not a political issue. It's a hard issue. But in terms of Daryl Brooks and why he should be charged with terrorism, I do have to tell you that he is African-American. Why do I have to tell you that? Because he has many times posted on social media advocating for violence against white people and noting that, quote, Hitler was right, unquote, for killing Jews. So he's posted all these things on social media, demonizing groups of people, and then he has indiscriminately killed people within the group that he has demonized. So it's domestic terrorism when people go to Washington, D.C. for a Trump rally, walk into or storm, there were both, walk into or storm the Capitol, and then are tracked during the investigation and found to have posted pro-Trump, pro-America things. Those are domestic terrorist-motivated actions going into the Capitol, according to our Justice Department, because there's a record of a political viewpoint. Well, there's clearly a record of a political viewpoint on Daryl Brooks' social media saying that violence against white people is called for by circumstances in our country. But see, if they charge Daryl Brooks with terrorism, then that means that they are by definition saying that the people who hold their views on America are as capable of domestic terrorism as the people that they still have in jail for essentially misdemeanor offenses, by and large, related to January 6th. And that is an admission that the left does not want to make. See, they are not capable of terror. Their viewpoints are not anti-American. Daryl Brooks, kill white people. Hitler was right. That's not indicative of a domestic terrorist. To charge him with terrorism would mean that the left thinks he is capable and that their side, out of control, out of control, Daryl Brooks clearly out of control, is capable of terrorism. But no, 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 no. We can't admit that on the left. We will never admit that on the left. We're patriots. We're the real patriots. We're the real people who love our country. We're the real people who love everyone. You people with your guns and your pro-Trump and your pro-America, you are dangerous and you must be controlled. That's why Daryl Brooks is not charged with terrorism. It's not because there's not a track record of him demonizing people by group. There's an ample track record of him demonizing people by group, generalizing about people. This guy is a terrorist. Okay, they'll say, oh, but he was fleeing a domestic incident. <laughs> Really? There's only one way? Through the parade? Only one way? He didn't pass any cross streets? No? Okay. Yeah, I'm not falling for that. You shouldn't either. Likewise, the defense being given, the vibe being put out by the three liberal justices on the Supreme Court, yesterday they got the opportunity to question the lawyers on both sides of the Mississippi abortion ban after 15 weeks. And there's all this hue and cry now on the left that the tenor of the questions from the conservative justices like Clarence Thomas and presumably, I don't want to put Brett Kavanaugh in the same category as Clarence Thomas because Brett Kavanaugh's got about 
three or four decades of heavy legal lifting to do before he could ever be um, justifiably grouped with Clarence Thomas. But Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, Amy Coney Barrett, and Clarence Thomas, well, the tenor of their questions has terrified the left that the Roe versus Wade decision is in the crosshairs and that it could go away. The reason why it shouldn't go away, according to the liberal justices, is because, well, let me paraphrase, it would make a lot of people mad. (laughs) Basically is what they're saying. Or, or, how could people ever trust us as a Supreme Court if we take a political position on abortion? Because, you know, there's a lot of people who think abortion is bad, and there are a lot of people who think abortion is essential, and so, you know... If we take a stand, well, it'll make people mad. Here's the quote from Sonia Sotomayor. She says the Supreme Court would not, quote, survive the stench that this creates in public perception if Roe versus Wade is reversed. Oh, it'll give you a bad reputation on the Supreme Court, will it? Hmm, interesting. I will deal with that defense by Sonia Sotomayor next, and I can't wait to get into it. And I certainly hope you are praying for this court to have the courage to do what is the right thing. More ahead on The Bruce Hooley Show. We have a Supreme Court in this country to decide ticklish legal issues. To uphold the Constitution, hopefully, although it's gotten away from that mission for a long, long time. Right now, the Supreme Court is weighing what it heard yesterday as advocates for a Mississippi ban on abortions after 15 weeks and advocates for not allowing that law to stand in Mississippi argued before the Supreme Court the merits of their position. They were questioned by the justices. This is how it works. And then the justices will take into account the answers, and they will render an opinion. But this is a matter that's a little bit more complex than, you know, interstate commerce and some of the other things that the Supreme Court decides and nobody bats an eye over because pretty much half of America thinks that abortion is murder, because it is, and half of America thinks, uh, I want to have indiscriminate sex and not be held accountable for my decisions, and so I'm going to label what is clearly murder given the development of that fetus in the womb into a baby, if left alone, I'm going to argue that it's women's health care, that's a blob of cells, or whatever. All of those arguments are completely illogical and lame. And they also now have been joined by another reason not to overturn Roe versus Wade that is the dumbest argument of all. It is the argument put forward yesterday by the liberal justices Sonia Sotomayor, Stephen Breyer, Elena Kate. And their objection to having to uh, do their job, which is rule on the constitutionality of a law, is that, you know, if we do rule on this, and let's say we overturn Roe versus Wade, well, 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 then a lot of people won't respect the Supreme Court anymore, and people will see us as a political body, and it'll hurt our public perception. Now, this is a very interesting argument. 
because it demonstrates what has become a very common American attitude. And that very common American attitude is, oh, it's going to be hard to do? Then I don't want to do it. You mean, uh, I'm going to have to take a position? I can't exist here in the squishy middle and not hold anybody accountable for my actions? Um, I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah, life is not lived sitting on an easy button for liberal justices. You have reached the apex of the legal profession because you are presumed to be, in your case, I have to say presume because it's not true, that you have the mind to understand the gravity of the decisions you are charged with making. Okay? This is why you exist. Because our founders were smart enough to know that there would be times where we would need great legal minds to apply the wisdom of the Constitution to evolving events of the day. This is that time. So I don't care if you're afraid people will feel bad about what you've done because I don't really think your problem or your issue or your concern is that people will feel bad about what you've done. I think your only concern is that you know what the right thing to do is and you know the political ideology that you subscribe to does not support failing to overturn Roe versus Wade. Medical advancements, which I pointed out yesterday, back in the day, football players, don't drink water, take salt pills, you don't have a concussion, you just got your bell rung. Well, we've come to learn that's not true, right? (laughs) No, you should drink water when you're exercising. Don't take salt pills, they'll dehydrate you. No, concussions are serious. You can wind up a mush brain, as my friend Chris Spielman used to say. If you plow your head into football players at speeds with no regard for your safety, time after time after time, we become more enlightened. Similarly, we become more enlightened on the medical realities of exactly what that is inside a woman's womb. But the liberal justices don't want to do the hard thing. And the other reason, the best the best bad reason they give for not overturning Roe versus Wade is it's become precedent. It's become precedent. I mean, we we've had Roe versus Wade. We've had abortion pretty much on demand since 1973. I mean, that's 48 years. That's precedent. We can't touch that. Well, I think we can touch that, and I think we should touch that. Because precedent as a defense for something that is wrong, if applied to other issues, would be roundly laughed at. For instance, Plessy versus Ferguson is a famous Supreme Court case. It was decided in 1896. And Plessy versus Ferguson stood as the law of the land until 1954. Brown versus Board of Education was the reason why Plessy versus Ferguson was overturned. You probably know from your history classes, back when you went to actual history class and not to CRT garbage classes like they're teaching now, You probably know that Brown versus Board of Education is looked upon as one of the great Supreme Court cases of all time because what did it do? 
it outlawed segregation in schools. Right? We agree that it was absolutely stupid and indefensible and discriminatory and awful and not in the spirit of who Americans really are to say, oh, I'm sorry, you're black? No, you can't go to school with white kids. Sorry, can't do it. What a horrible, awful, short-sighted, terrible decision. It would have been in 1954 for the Supreme Court to have said, Plessy versus Ferguson in... 1896 upheld segregation. And it's been the law of the land for 58 years. So it's precedent and we can't touch it. No, a bad idea is always a bad idea. Sometimes we just don't know it's a bad idea until we become a little bit smarter, a little bit more enlightened a little bit more aware of things we weren't aware of at the time we made the bad decision. Plessy versus Ferguson was a very bad decision in 1896, back when people believed that, well, if you're black, you're not as smart as white kids. Like, well, we'll hold the white kids back if we, if we make them go to school with black kids because it'll take forever to teach those black kids how to read. What a dumb, stupid decision. Did we become aware over time that that was unfair Yeah, we did, and we changed it, and we should have changed it. We should have changed it long before 1954, but thankfully we changed it 58 years after it was decided. So do we know more now about a baby's ability to feel pain in the womb? Do we know more now about the viability of children born prematurely than we did in 1973? Yeah, we do. But we're supposed to just ignore all those years of scientific development and innovation and clarity because, well, precedent. No, not precedent. And not because it's a hard thing that people won't like. You know, Justice Sotomayor and Breyer and Kagan... If this is too hard for you, you have an option. You can retire. I don't want you to retire now. I'd prefer you wait until Ron DeSantis is president or Nikki Haley or Tom Cotton or Josh Hawley or somebody else. But you can retire. Do the job you're charged with doing. Do the job according to what you're supposed to do, which is uphold the Constitution. Don't do the job like a political animal. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.